Well, hey there. Welcome to The Real Podcast, hosted by Jason Kaliba. We think that real people are interesting, not just celebrities and superstars, but also the guy standing in line next to you at the grocery store and the kid beside you in church. We're passionate about sharing the stories and insights of those people, real people, so that you're challenged and maybe even inspired to grow. If you'd like additional resources or more information about our guests, check out our webpage at cochranalliance.com backslash real. So, let's get real. Okay, here we go. If you are a friend of The Real Podcast and have been listening to our show for a little while, you will have uh, listened back in June 2019 when we interviewed my friend Bob, who uh, serves in Southeast Asia. Uh, And um, his passion, uh, aside from uh, leading people to know Jesus better, is also to serve um, a very unique people group in our world called the Rohingya, who are their homeland uh, is in the country of Myanmar, but due to uh, political and cultural and religious dynamics have been in large part pushed out of their country into other places uh, in the world, particularly in Southeast Asia. And um, it was a privilege to talk almost a year ago to Bob and, and hear a little bit about uh, the relationships he's formed with some of these people and how he's serving them. And uh, as we are now in spring 2020 and Um, As a few of our other episodes have talked to people who are dealing in various ways with the coronavirus coronavirus crisis that's shaking the world, um, I thought it would be interesting to return to Bob and uh, his work with uh, some of the Rohingya people that he knows in his spot. And uh, so, Bob, uh, that's my uh, opener, uh, but uh, welcome to The Real Podcast again. I think you're our first repeat guest, <laughs> and so we're going to be doubling your uh, your appearance fee. Uh, does that be in the mail yeah. here as soon as we're done? Uh, welcome great. to the podcast again. Thanks, Jason. Uh, it's great, great to see you and great to talk to you again. Uh, just to remind us, uh, Bob, uh, I know I've, I've spoiled your, in, your own personal introduction, but uh, tell us a little bit about who you are um what you can tell us where you're at and what you do sure yeah uh my wife and i have been uh in southeast asia for about 11 and a half years now we came here to to pastor an international church and we've been doing that and it's a it's a great experience uh but about four years into our time here i began to notice all the migrant workers in our city and and I, I began to go and, and make, build friendships and relationships with some of these migrant workers. And, and that has grown into us. We started out of our church here, uh, Nations Learning Center, which basically was just a, uh, an avenue where we would teach English, some computer programs. And it would just be an avenue for us to begin to build relationship with these migrant workers. And it turned into, over time, uh, basically a work with the Rohingya people who I'd never heard of before moving here. Mm. But uh, so we've been working with them now for about seven and a half years. And it's been, uh, it's been great to get to know them and, and to build relationship with them. Mm. 
So maybe before we get into some of the specifics of your city, can you tell us uh, what has happened in the second half of 2019 and the first bit of 2020 to the Rohingya people in general? Um, what's, what's going on in, in Bangladesh? Um, and how about the plight of the Rohingya people in general before we even talk about COVID-19? Sure. Yeah. Well, it, it's been very interesting because many of the young men, I, I work mostly with young men, and many of them, their families are in the refugee camps in, in Bangladesh. And I think I mentioned in June that I had the opportunity to go into the refugee camps and meet with their families and things like that, um, which was an amazing uh, privilege and experience. But um, in the last part of 2019, for some reason, uh, the government cut off all the internet service in the refugee camps. Hmm. And because they figured that many of the Rohingya were using uh, the, the internet to, to cause problems, uh, because there was a large gathering in August um, of, of about 100 or 200,000 Rohingya in the refugees camps, and that caused the government a lot of concern. Huh. And so they cut off uh, the internet, which made it almost impossible for many of our students to make connections with their families. Now they have found ways around it. I don't fully understand how, but uh, they have been able to make reconnections with their families, but some of them went uh, a few months without being able to make any uh, real connection with their families. So things in the refugee camps continue to be very difficult. Uh, word is that they're, they've begun to build fences around the refugee camps so that it's almost more like a prison yeah. than, than wow. anything. So conditions there are, are very poor. Uh, with, with the virus, uh, we, we just don't know. Um, you know, there's no reporting, there's no testing there. Uh, you know, the young men that I'm talking to, their, their families seem to be okay right now. In the country in which we live, um, there have been over the last number of years uh, a lot of Rohingya who surrender themselves to human traffickers because things are so desperate, whether it's in Bangladesh or Myanmar, that they pay a human trafficker to, to get them to another country. And many of them uh, go to different uh, Southeast Asian uh, countries. And so in our country, we've had a number of boats that uh, have, have made their way um, and we've seen more Rohingya coming to the place where we live. And it's, it's a challenge for them because once they arrive here, they're not really welcome in this country. Mm -hmm. They are in the country illegally. They are smuggled into the country. And then they are dispersed uh, to all of the different communities where there are Rohingya uh, all across uh, our country throughout uh, many countries in, in Southeast Asia. Mm. Now, I know um, uh, you talked about a, per a particularly good friend who uh, you've gotten to know over the past few years, and I know that he recently, because of his frustration with hitting a wall with any opportunity for himself, made a decision to leave your country and has made an attempt to try to begin life somewhere else. And can you just tell us what, what would lead him to 
try yet another country yeah. and and how did it go um uh, how is he doing in his new point of origin okay yeah well yeah he's he's been a good friend he was a translator for for me when i would do uh un interviews he's a translator in our our english classes and i just love the guy he's just a a really good friend and but he he has really he's a really smart young man he speaks mm -hmm. eight languages yeah and he, he has he has some education and he really wants more education but he knows that that avenue isn't open for him in our country and so he he was tired of just working uh menial labor type jobs which are the only ones that that they are able to get here and he um he made the decision that he would go back to his homeland back to uh, Myanmar, which is very risky because wow. because the Rohingya are are not welcome in in Myanmar. And once once you've left the country, the only way you can get back in is basically to be smuggled back in. So he left our country and uh, he made his way into uh, a neighboring country where he ended up in uh, in jail for two months. Wow. He had enough. He had enough money to where he could pay a bribe uh, to the jailers in that country, and they set him free. And he has since made his way back to Yangon. There's a, a different places in Yangon where it's kind of under the radar, but uh, they need to change their names and uh, kind of change their identities to uh, to be able to exist there so that they, they don't get arrested. But it's it's been very. Um, he he calls me at least once a week. We okay. we have conversation and and he's doing well right now. He he doesn't know what to do with himself because Myanmar is now under lockdown, like hmm. like the rest of Asia, probably the rest of the world. And um, but he he desires somehow to get to another country, a Western country, to where he can maybe. Uh, further his education and have a have a life of that would be productive for for him and for yeah. society. Hmm. So he he's doing he's doing well where he is, but that isn't his end goal. His end goal is somehow to make his way to be resettled to to a third country. I know because I uh, I had the chance to meet him a few years ago, and uh, the the memory is still pretty fresh in my mind. And I know there's not many twenty somethings in our country, although there are certainly people who don't get opportunity. But to just have hardly any hope of any m meeting your potential uh, has got to be so frustrating. So yeah, uh, I know that uh, there are people on this side of the ocean that are praying for him still. So I hope mm -hmm. that maybe someday we'll hear. Of, yeah. a, of a of a good outcome. Uh, let me back away from Rohingya just for a second. We'll return there. But obviously, with this crisis sweeping the globe right now, um, we're experiencing it in Canada. We know something about uh, some of the measures the governments have taken, social isolation. But tell us, what does it mean uh, to be, quote-unquote, in lockdown or for social distancing practices. What has that meant for you in your country? Okay. Yeah, for us here, um, 
for, for the last five weeks, we basically can leave our home uh, to get groceries or to go to the drugstore. We're not allowed to go for walks. We're not allowed to go exercise. Uh, many people are being fined the equivalent of about 325 Canadian dollars mm. uh, and with the possibility of a two-year prison term wow. uh, for just for being outside of their homes. So when we say lockdown, we mean we are we're in our home. We, we can't we can't go out. Um, I have permission, but I'll talk about that in a few minutes. But it, it's it's meant for the majority of us here that our home is the only place that we are seeing or the inside of a grocery store. Okay. Uh, you're only allowed uh, one person per vehicle. You're not allowed to have a second person in the vehicle unless you're a taxi driver. And then basically a taxi driver can only be taking you to a grocery store because everything else is is shut down. Okay. So for uh, the lives of the national people, I know in Canada, um, we are pretty uh, privileged here that the government has some social nets for us here and are providing us with some relief in the midst of all this. Uh, what about just the national people of your country? Are they getting some subsidization or they're just told to hang in and figure it out? No, there, there are some government programs that are being rolled out. Um, the cost of living here is, is a fair bit less mm. than it would be in Canada. But even so, the, it's, this is really hitting the poor here, the, the national poor. It's hitting them very hard because they, they uh, basically they work to eat and, and mm. live and they, they don't have any savings. And so, so it's been a, a real challenge. But the government is uh, doing, I think, a, a reasonable job of, of caring for the, the national people. Okay. And how about as a pastor? Um, for me and uh, the Cochrane Alliance community, it's meant lots of online church services and Zoom calls and trying to figure out a different way of operating. Is that what, what uh, your community is doing? Or are you navigating differently? No, I, I tend to live in front of my computer screen these days, like many. Mm -hmm. uh, this is my third Zoom call of the day, and it's uh, 11 o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. And um, and so it, we are we are doing things. We aren't going online because in the country in which we live, we're not a registered uh, church, and so we don't we can't put things online. And so we are doing everything by Zoom. We're a church of about 300 people, mm -hmm. uh, give or take, on a, on a Sunday morning. And uh, so we do everything on Zoom. Uh, we, we invite everybody. We all gather together. Uh, we have our worship leader will lead in a little bit of worship. Then I will preach. Then one of the great things about Zoom that we found is the breakout rooms. So yeah. we divide up into small groups and people pray together, discuss the the message together, and uh, so that's it's been actually for us it's been a real win uh, doing you know our worship gatherings this way, and and then we we've been doing extra prayer meetings, book clubs, different. Uh, different kinds of things that uh, are, are allowing the church to connect with each other. Mm. Okay. Um, so let's return to the Rohingya question then. So yes. here's, you got, you are working with some expats and some nationals, the national people, of course, they're not enjoying a whole lot of freedom, but they are citizens of your country. 
And then you got this people who is not a recognized people group, not necessarily wanted, not a whole lot of compassion by the nationals or the government. Um, how has this lockdown affected them? Well, uh, a very high percentage. I, I'm not sure exactly what it is, but in the for sure in the 90 percent percentages for sure, uh, they are all out of work, and they only they only make enough money to feed themselves a little bit, and then to send some of their money to their families in uh, Bangladesh. So they've been desperate since things shut down. Uh, you know, my phone. Uh, the other, our other teammates, our other people who are working with this people group, our phones have just been ringing off the hook. We communicate here using WhatsApp, and so mm -hmm. we get WhatsApp messages all the time through the day and through the night, and uh, just people saying, please, teacher, can you help us? Can you help us? Mm -hmm. We have no work. We have no food. Um, many of the messages I can translate a little bit. Uh, Many of them I just don't understand at all, but I know what they're asking. They're all mm -hmm. desperate for for some food. Okay. So tell us, how, how are you responding to that need? Well, uh, we began with in our first week, so five weeks ago, we began with... Uh, I, my numbers might be a little off. Uh, I'm just going by memory here, Jason. But uh, we, we began by feeding 70 families... Wow. And those are those are families that we have personal relationship with. They're not uh, they're not other Rohingya that you know that we may have heard of or whatever. But these are people we have personal relationship with, and we began with those families, and we began providing them with rice and cooking oil and lentils and dried fish and salt uh, and soap face masks. So we began with that. And I see, uh, and some of the pictures I've seen, there's a big jug that looks like apple juice. And I was talking with my kids about what that is. And I said, I think it's cooking oil. Is it oil or is it, is yeah. it like everyone's it really is. into apple juice? <laughs> no, it, that is, that is cooking oil. Okay. They, yeah. um, um, they use a lot of cooking oil here. There's yeah. whole rows in the markets just filled with different kinds of cooking oil. Okay. So yeah, that that's what it is. We provide them with a big, uh, I don't know how many liters, four liters, five liters, something yeah. like that of, of cooking oil. Uh, so we've been providing them with that. And then as well with our friends who, who we have a relationship with, we've been giving them about 33 Canadian dollars, the equivalent in our local currency. We've been giving them that uh, to help them uh, maybe buy some fruit or some meat of some kind, some kind of protein. Yeah. Uh, and so we started with those 70 families and since then it's just exploded. And, um, one of our team members told me that, uh, as a team now we're feeding over 1200 people a week and, wow. um, and it continues to grow. Our, our capacity right now is not on the funding side. We're, we're very thankful for the many gifts. Many people from uh, from your area have have given uh, as well, uh, but just we're a small team. Like there's about five or six of us who are doing this, and um, you know I'm I'm pastoring a church while doing this on the side. Thankfully, some of the others are are able to go full time into yep. into making this happen, and 
for which I'm so grateful. Mm -hmm. uh, our, t our new teammates have been fantastic. They are just um, great people who, who have had experience into something similar like this. And uh, we're just so grateful for them and for the time and the effort that they're putting into this. And because it's, it's a huge job. It's a full-time job because we need to, you know, for all the donors, we need to be able to provide receipts and we need to be able to um, show who, who is getting the, the food. And um, so, yeah, there's all kinds of different uh, uh, moving parts to this. The, the small part that I play delivering to, to people I have a relationship with is uh, it, it's just a real honor to be able to go. We can't go and hang out there. We go, we deliver the food, they sign for the receipt of the food, and then we leave. Okay. Um, and that's it. But there are, there are work sites here in our country where the, the workers, uh, foreign workers, and it isn't only Rohingya, it's mm -hmm. people from Bangladesh and Indonesia and other, other countries, um, they are uh, locked into their work camp. They're not being allowed to leave. And so it's, it's making it a, a real challenge. And some of these people are really suffering. So yeah, uh, we're, we're, we're doing a small part to, to help, uh, you know, serve many of the people we have a relationship with. And now that's expanded way beyond, but we now have a relationship with them because we're in contact with them, giving them food. But previous to this, we, we haven't had a relationship with them yet. So like, like you said, you haven't had to get a lot of time to get feedback directly and language is a bit of a barrier for extended conversations that are too technical but um aside from i'm sure just people who are grateful uh is anyone able to tell you how it's affecting or how uh how they feel or is it is it just pretty basic hey thanks for helping us yeah it's just it's just basically thanks so much thanks so much mm -hmm. for for how you are um providing for us thank you so much for giving to us um that you know yeah. i get lots and lots of messages that way okay um so talk to me about the future and uh i know even in my context as i'm thinking about leadership in uh, in canada it's really difficult to get an answer about the future of what the medium term looks like when restrictions might be eased and even more right. into the what is society going to be like once this initial uh, deal is over. But uh, is there some sense that your country is flattening the curve? Um, and how long can you keep feeding and sustaining people? Yeah, well, we we set out with a 12-week program. Okay. Um, and that's what we were encouraged by others who have done this before to do. And we're in... Well, this begins week six of that. Okay, so you're almost um, halfway. What you're planning yeah, to do? That's that's right. Yeah. Um, now, if if things do open up and people begin to work again on the construction sites, then that's going to scale things down again. Uh, but we don't know. My guess is that by Friday of this week, uh, we'll get another announcement from the leader of our our country. Mm -hmm. It may not be Friday, but sometime we'll get a in the next few days, we'll get a, a message from the leader of our country because 
in the next week or so is when we're supposed to be um, allowed a little bit more freedom of movement. Hmm. So speaking of freedom of movement, I need to return to something that we didn't dive into. You're, you're at heavy restrictions. Tell us the story of how you have freedom at all uh, to, to deliver food to people, despite the fact that you're not supposed to be out, you're not supposed to be driving around with others. Uh, how is it that you can travel and deliver packages to people? Well, it's one of the great things of being pastor of an international church is all of the different connections you have with people within our church family and a, a, a new person just in the last four or five months. Uh, he had connections with a local uh, a local pastor who had connections with the government. And so uh, one of our teammates reached out to him and he reached out to the government and um, and they gave us letters that have allowed us uh, freedom of movement. So when I come to the, the army uh, or police checkpoint, I show them the letter. It's written in the uh, native language. They read it and they wave me on. Only one time have I been stopped and, and questioned more extensively, but all you know, having this letter has been just a real gift to us so that it allows us to go uh, we're, we're basically not allowed to, when we drive, we're not allowed to drive past 10, a 10 kilometer diameter of, of where we live. Uh, but yes. this is allowing me, you know, one of the places I go is probably about 16 kilometers from where I live. And the, it allows me to get through the police and army checkpoints. Okay. Well, wow, that's amazing. Uh, so obviously that, we believe that God is showing you some favor and uh, yeah. uh, helping you. Um, but even, even one of the amazing things that we, um, you know, even a, a local government has heard about what, you know, this team, this small team is doing and has given us a donation, which wow. is, which is pretty cool. I see. Yeah. So tell me, one question I often ask is how can we pray for you? But what, what are you praying about these days? What are you asking God to do uh, in these times? Well, for, for us, um, Thursday here begins Ramadan. Yeah. And the people that we are working with are uh, the Rohingya, are a Muslim people group. And so we're praying that God will appear to them in dreams and visions and reveal Jesus to them. Hmm. We're asking that uh, they will see the love of Jesus as, you know, they, we don't make any secret that we're followers of Jesus mm. and uh, they know that that's why we do what we do. Yep. And, and so um, we, we are praying that many of these friends will, will experience Jesus in a new and a fresh way uh, during Ramadan, which begins Thursday. Well, yeah, Thursday, April 23rd here. Uh, now I know that Ramadan is a fast, but also a party in the evenings. So, uh, do, do your Muslim friends in normal times eat less at Ramadan or are they eating more than they usually do at Ramadan? Yeah. Many, many of them eat more because they, they load up in the evening and then yeah. get up before sunrise and load up again 
Okay. But the, the difficult thing is for, for many of the workers here, they're working in, in the hot sun yeah. and every day and they don't drink water nor eat. Uh, so it's, it's a, it's a huge uh, challenge for them. Okay. Yeah. So, um, how can we, uh, and it's been a privilege uh, being part of the Cochrane Alliance church community to be involved with you, uh, in your team in a small way. Uh, but how can we, how can we pray for you in these days? If, uh, there's some friends in our neck of the woods that definitely care about what you're doing, how would you ask us for support that way? Well, we just, continued favor with the police and the army that they would with none of our team would um, have any any issues going through any of the checkpoints or and that God will sustain particularly our teammates who are giving leadership to this mm-hmm. uh, give them the the strength they need because it is it's a huge um, it's a huge um, task that is before us. And so really pray specifically for our teammates and, you know, some of our, uh, some of our friends here this morning who are part of our, they're not part of our direct, um, team, but they, they work with us for the Rohingya and have been part of our church for seven or eight years, just received word that, uh, their daughter is uh, collapsed at the side of the road in Saskatchewan and, um, and is in critical condition oh, man. in in a hospital, and so that's heavy on our hearts today, because mm-hmm. um, they're they're dear friends of mm-hmm. ours, and uh, so just praying for for that family. Um, for us personally, you know, we were scheduled to come home uh, in mid May, come back to the Calgary area. Uh, but that's put off. Uh, we don't know for how long. We mm. will see. Um, we've been going back and forth. Uh, just started conversation with uh, the people who have got our tickets and when we'll be able to leave, when we would be able to get back into Canada and, and some of those things. So there's all of our plans have kind of been thrown out the window. And yeah. um, and now we're we're just in a waiting pattern to say, okay, Lord, well, we are we're here and we'll continue to serve here. Um, you know, even if, even if we are given less, uh, movement or we're, we're allowed to move around a little bit more freely than we have been. Uh, we don't guess that we'll be able to meet together as a church for at least six months. And so that's, that's going to to change things as well. So, Mm. so there's so much uncertainty and just, really need the Lord's wisdom and direction. Mm, okay. Well, some of that's the same kind of prayers we need on this side of the ocean yes. as well. So that's right. Well, uh, Bob, thanks for uh, meeting with me this way. Uh, I think I, I enjoy it a little more when you're directly across the table, but <laughs> this, this will do. And yeah. um, man, um, I know you're not doing this for kudos from people, uh, but it's sure neat to see uh uh, you and your team being there right now in these times and how laying the foundation of lots of years of building trusting relationship then allows you to be there uh, and uh, use some of the privilege that God has given you to bless other people. So uh, two thumbs up from, from us uh, here and um, we're, we're praying and, and cheering you on all the way. All right. Thanks so much. Great, great to see you again.
Okay. Well, thanks for talking to me today. And uh, hopefully we'll maybe get you to be the first uh, guest on this show to do it three times. (laughs) All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Jason. Thanks for listening to The Real Podcast. For more information on this episode and others, check out our website at cochranalliance.com backslash real. Until next time, keep it real.